Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk about the term anointing. Let me define the term. In our church circles, in Pentecostal church circles, you'll hear much of the term anointing used frequently. And largely, I am personally of the opinion that it's used inappropriately and not in keeping with Scripture. In other words, if you've grown up in or around Pentecostal churches, you've heard, well, they were anointed. And anointing usually is a term that describes a feeling or a sensation in a moment. Like if a song is some that's deeply emotionally moving, that's anointed. Or if there's a sermon that really gets you going, go, that was anointed. But it very often has to do with an associated sense of feeling that may or may not have a thing to do with anointing. In the Old Testament, matter of fact, I taught on this about a year ago because Jesus said Jesus would come, walk into the synagogue, and he would quote Isaiah 61, verse 1, about his own ministry, and he would say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to declare liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of our Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's a bunch of language that essentially describes the power of the gospel. But note what he said. The Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now before you finish reading through the Old Testament and into the New, you find out that the Holy Spirit is associated with, quote, the anointing. In the Old Testament, there are two or three people in particular, two of the kings, David and Saul, who were both anointed, actually not in that order, Saul first and then David, and it said when they were anointed, they were anointed each by one uh, different judge, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. So there's that clear, once again, association. And see, by the time we get to the New Testament, the writer of the gospel, who would also write letters to the churches, would write these words. He says, you are the anointed in whom the anointing abides. That's the Holy Spirit. But see, there's a more subjective or more pointed aspect, watch this, of the anointing. We are the anointed in whom the Holy Spirit abides. The anointing is in us. But how do we get it to the surface of our life in moments of need? And for through the years, as many times as I've taught about Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus would be arrested, only really an extended amount of hours before he would go to the cross. Now, the cross of Jesus Christ, listen, was the place of victory and overcoming. It's the place the battle was really fought. People point to the resurrection. The resurrection was proof. The battle was fought on the cross. That was the place where, according to Scripture, it says he triumphed over principalities and powers and the works of darkness, if you will. So how do you get ready for that place of battle? Through the years as I've taught from Matthew chapter 26, as a matter of fact, I had just quickly texted Amanda when I was standing over there and I thought I may be redirected to this because I want to say this. I, I, I pray and seek God, we do as a staff, and that other outline that I just laid down, I, I prayed over, and it's a message that our church needs to hear about the power of us, about for every tomorrow you've ever, uh, every today you've ever experienced is proof of yesterday's tomorrow and the proof that you will have one. You're standing in proof of it right now. But, and, and this sort of, you know, you can see how it sort of ties in. But I want you to see, 
Uh, then Jesus came, verse 36 of Matthew 26, that's the first gospel. Beloved, please understand, for as often as I refer to that, there's always someone new here that doesn't know anything about or how the Bible is laid out, and it's necessary that I say those things, so indulge them, okay, or indulge me, that Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, what we say is the second half of the Bible, and this is Matthew's gospel. And he says, then Jesus came with them, them being uh, the, the, the Peter and the sons of Zebedee, to a place called Gethsemane. There were three other guys with him. To a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Leave that verse up, please. Go back to that. The word Gethsemane, for every time I've taught on it for 35 years, I just make the passing reference to, it comes from an Aramaic term, which was the common language of the time. Aramaic term that... Uh, that means it's gotsimen, that means oil press. And I've made reference, and I've also made reference to the poetic implication that it's the place where certainly, by the way, you would, find, you would seem to find an oil press on a place called the Mount of Olives, okay? So it's the oil press on the Mount of Olives because it would be the place where olives were grown and then taken to the press so that they could be crushed and the oil could come out of them. So it's the place of crushing where that, but, but see here, where that which is in it is brought to the surface. But here's the deal. And I've made a reference to it just over and over and over. But something hit me this week, and I think there's probably a song in it somewhere. The place where the oil is made. And when I make that statement, the place where the oil is made, I meant the place where the anointing is brought to the surface of our life to empower us for what is lying right in front of me. In other words, what was right in front of him was the cross of Christ. It's the place of the ultimate suffering. It's the place where he needed to have the power, the focus, and, if you will, the anointing. By the way, the word Messiah comes from the Hebrew Meshach, and it means the anointed one. So it's the place where the one in whom the anointing was placed was going to have it crushed and brought to the surface to empower him to get through what was immediately in front of him. So for all of you who, like Christ, know that there's a moment in front of you, it might be tomorrow, it could be Tuesday or Wednesday or next month, but for someone sitting here today, this service is here for you. For someone watching online, this is for you today. That moment's in front of you, and you're wondering, do I have the strength to get through that moment? You'll only get through that moment by and with and through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And by that, in the most general sense, I'm referring to the Holy Spirit, the anointing. That subjective bringing or bearing on of the presence of the Holy Spirit squeezed and crushed, if you will, to the surface of your life. So I'm going to give you seven things that I rattled off to Brenda. I found some notes from a long time back that I grabbed. Matthew 26, 36 he said, uh, sit here while I go over there. Verse 37, Amanda. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Now, here's how fast this sermon is going to go in seven points. And if you get what I'm saying, just be, um, be faux Pentecostal for a moment. That is, shout amen. Because if you don't say amen... I'm going to keep talking until I think you got it, which means we could be here a long time. Okay, so just join in with me. Just say amen. 
So here's the practice, okay? Let me read that again. He began to be grieved and distressed and said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Here's principle number one. When I feel overwhelmed. No, that wasn't the amen place. Slow down. It's coming. When I'm standing in a place where I clearly feel overwhelmed, and that may be the only words I can use to describe it, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Okay, I'll say that again. Okay, I, th- I think you got it, but that, that's, what, that's what you're going to hear, okay? Verse 39, and he went a little further beyond them, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Everybody say, if it is possible. Watch, okay? Let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, yet as you will. Second principle. When I have serious doubts about my ability to survive the moment, when I have serious doubts about my ability to succeed, I'm probably in the place where the oil is made. Okay? Verse 40, And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, You men could not keep watch with me for an hour. There's a more extended teaching on this, by the way, that explains, but, but just verse 41, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the, for the, but the flesh is weak. Now, most often when you hear this passage referenced, you'll hear the, the teacher say he was talking primarily to the three guys who couldn't stay awake, but they leave out verse 42. And if we could look at verse 42, I don't have it in my notes, so if you can put it up there for me, okay? He went away again a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done, okay? So what is happening? Jesus is not just describing the three sleepyheads, he's describing himself. And notice the phrase he uses to describe it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch me, listen. When I come to a place where I discover the commitment I made in spirit exceeds the capacity of my flesh to bring it to pass, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. I want to say that again. When, it comes, when you come to a place where you discover the commitment you made in your flesh with your mouth, ex- excuse me, in the spirit, exceeds the capacity of your flesh. Anybody been in a moment where you come and said, I'm trying, I'm trying as hard as I can, but God, I just don't know that I can make it through tomorrow. I just don't know. I want to tell you, you're probably in a place where the oil is made, and the anointing is coming. You're going to get this, okay? You're getting a run and start, but you're going to get better, okay? Verse 46, he says, he gets him and says, Get up, let's get going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Number four, when I'm in an overwhelmingly adverse situation, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Verse 47, while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came uh, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one that sees him. Let me give you the principle. If you're here today and you're standing in a place and some events have happened in recent days or weeks and you're just saying, I that which I thought I could trust, or even the person I thought I could trust, 
I'm just dismayed because, wow, I can't trust them. If you're standing in that moment, you're probably in a place where the oil is made. You see, because for every one of these situations, as you discover something you couldn't trust, God is pointing us toward what we can. And that's coming at the end of this little run. Verse 51, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cut off his ear. That was Peter, you learn from the other passages. Now, you learn also from reading the surrounding passages that probably just minutes, if not a few hours before this, Jesus said to Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times and throw me under the bus. So perhaps Peter was driven by the need to prove to Jesus that even in an adverse situation, with three to 500 people standing in front of him, one guy, Peter, is going to step out and take him on, take him on. But Jesus looks at him and says, put back your sword. Those who live by it will die by it. You're missing the point. From Jesus' perspective, let's look at it because here's the principle. When he looked at Peter and sort of shakes his head and says, one more time, you're missing the point. Here it is for us. When you seem to be in a place where you feel like no one gets it, no one gets where you are. No one gets the moment you're in. No one gets the gravity. No one gets just exactly where you are in the crushing moment you're in. You're probably in a place where the oil is made. And then the last one is verse 53. He tells him to put back his sword, as he said in verse 52. Then he says, or do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? Now, if you were to continue reading, he repeats that statement two or three verses later. It, later, it must happen this way for the scriptures say it. Now, he's talking to Peter, three to 500 people. He's just cut off the guy's ear. And every time I talk about this, it, I, I sort of chuckle because I believe the guy's name was Malchus. You learn from other surrounding texts and passages of scripture. Jesus reached down on the ground picks up the guy's ear, and it's my version of the story because Scripture doesn't speak to it. He's putting the guy's ear... Tom, come here for a second. I'm just going to give them a little visual of this. Just stand right here and sort of face me. Peter's here. Peter's just cut the guy's ear off, and, and Jesus reaches down on the ground, picks up the guy's ear, reaches over, and says... And while he's adjusting it, you know, ee, 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 getting it just right, he's right on the side of you. He says, Peter, put down the sword. Those who live by it will die by it. You're missing the point. It's written in the Word of God what it is that's supposed to, how it's supposed to happen this way. We good? You good? Okay, okay, great. All right, take off with you, buddy. Now, what's so funny? So he's doing this. He puts the guy's ear back on his head. See, the poetry of Scripture is beautiful because according to Scripture, 50 days later, Peter would essentially stand up on a balcony in Jerusalem and say, men of Israel, lend me your ears. Okay, you get the joke, right? Okay, sort of tough to do if you cut them off. Thank you. Now, there's something, by the way, I'll give you a sidebar about conflict resolution. Anybody here ever been married more than five minutes? You get into a conflict and your words become a sword. By the way, did you know the word of God is called a sword? Did you know our words can be a sword too? You get into a debate with your husband or wife and you go for the jugular and you miss and get the ear. But you did. You struck a blow. It was sharp. It was sure. It was there. Then their ear falls off on the ground. And then you look at them and here comes the words. You're not hearing me. 
Can that sink in just for a moment? You're not hearing me. And the answer is, well, yeah, really, it's sort of quote, difficult to do if I don't have an ear to listen with. Okay, that's the point. Enough about that. It's in that setting that Jesus responds and says to Peter, it's written it has to happen this way. In fairness to Peter, he's listened to Jesus pray all night, and nobody said anything back as far as he can tell. He's talked to God, and not one word has come. And so the fair question would be, Jesus, if you're so sure about that, then why have you been praying all night, Lord, if there's another way? I think here's why. Because there, I believe there was a moment, and I've taught on this in the past, when the Word of God, even for the Son of God, became written on his heart in the moment as he, that was being squeezed. So here's the point. When I come to the place in finality, when all I have to stand on is the Word of God, Above what? The word of God above my feeling overwhelmed, above my doubting my ability to succeed, above thinking I am not strong enough. The word of God above the dictates of an adverse situation. The word of God above the people and the things that I thought I could trust and discovered I couldn't. The word of God above the fact that I can look around and I feel like I'm the only one who gets it in the moment and what this is about. At the moment that I finally come to the place where I say, Father, I don't care how grieved, worn out, lacking confident in my ability to succeed, uh, beaten down, discovering that my flesh can't bring it to pass. I don't care what that means. I don't care that adversity seems to be coming at me in numbers that I didn't expect. Three to five hundred people. It wasn't just Judas. There were three to five hundred people. I don't care if I'm standing around. The people don't really seem to get where I am in the moment. I don't care about any of that. Right here, right now, I'm going to stand on the Word of God because I've come to discover that I'm in the place where the oil is made. And here's what I know, that that anointing is going to come and empower me to get through what is right in front of me. I believe he brought him to a place where the oil is made so the one in whom the anointing was could be crushed and it brought to the surface and that subjective anointing like those described in the Old Testament, everybody from King Saul to King David to Samson. Everybody who had an experience of a momentary anointing, he would rise in that next line of people and say, there is a cross of taunting, excruciating death lying right in front of me. But I am going to make it through that cross, through the death, through the pain and the agony. I'm going to obtain redemption. I'm going to stand at the mouth of a, a tomb uh, uh, three days later, risen from the dead, having conquered death, hell, and the grave because I am in a place where the oil is being made. I am here and I'm receiving that oil. Stand to your feet right now, please. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.